Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. A couple more weeks left in this year, and we've got some more podcasts coming out for you guys. Today's podcast is going to be a great show. Uh, I know you guys have been, I've been talked about it for a while, and today is the day that you guys get to hear the podcast I've been trying to put together for a little bit, and we'll get we'll get into that in just a moment. Last week, I gave a shout out to my buddy Lanny Hussey with Lanny Hussey's Custom Cars. If you guys haven't checked out his Facebook page, go check out his Facebook page. You'll see all kinds of cars that have been featured in Hot VW's magazine that he's built. A lot of those creations that are above and beyond detailed to the max. If you guys are looking to have a car built and just don't have the time to take care of it or looking to have an award-winning show stunner, he's even built some of America's most beautiful Volkswagens. At least that's what they've been received. That's what they've received awards for. Check out Lanny Hussey's custom cars. Go hit him up on Facebook. Tell him Bill T sent you with Let's Talk Dubs. If you're looking to get a car restored, painted, built, and dialed in, Lanny Hussey's your guy at Lanny Hussey Custom Cars. By the way, if you guys saw the fresh gear that we just got, hats, shirts, stuff like that, check out my friends at You Logo Up. You want something made, you want club shirts made, you want hats made, whatever you want made, jackets, uh, you want some corduroy pants with some monogram stitching on the back pocket, I'm sure they can help you out. But go check them out at ulogoup.com, the letter ulogoup.com. It costs you nothing to throw in a quote, go online, upload your picture, your design, whatever you want. They'll give you a quote for 5, 10, 50, 100 shirts, whatever you want, hat, jackets, whatever you need for your club or some of your VW stuff. And if you think you have stuff that's that's cool that you think other people might want to buy, have them make it for you. Check them out at ulogoup.com. That's you, the letter U, logoup.com. They're the ones that supply Let's Talk Dubs with some of their fresh flat gear. Now, we've always talked about the Super Beetle. And you guys know from afar, I've been eyeballing some Super Beetles. And I like them. I like that, uh, you know, it's Volkswagen's next evolution, the Volkswagen. And I've got a 51 split, so don't start being like, oh, Bill, you only like the new stuff. I like them all. What I like about the, the, the Super Beetle is that it's the McPherson strut front end. It's the IRS suspension. It's the wider. It's the curved windshield, the deeper dash, the more roomier interior. I have yet to own one but it's on my list of cars to get. And this podcast is going to focus mainly on the history of Super Beetles production numbers and maybe a couple of special editions. I will do a special edition special coming up here that will do a deep dive into some of the special edition Beetles that Volkswagen put out in the late 70s. But today's guest is Wayne Dean out of Ontario, Canada. He runs a website called superbeetles.com as well as allaircooled.com. He's uh, been going down the road of Super Beetles quite a while. That was one of his uh, first VWs he's recently picked up, picked it up on a trade sweetheart of a deal a really nice original Legrand super beetle so another cool story on another special edition beetle that you'll get to hear the inside of on that he's got a background in automotive uh, world his whole family does couple generations he's really got behind the super beetles quite a bit check out his website at superbeetles.com and it's a great podcast with a lot of information that you may or may not have known but i've been wanting to do this for a while so i'm excited to get it going so on this week's podcast let's get into the super beetle the history all there is to know about Super Beetles with Wayne Dean on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. A 
Okay, everybody. So on today's show, uh, I've got a guest on. We've, you've heard me in the past talk about wanting to track down some information on the Super Beetle because it's the most loved, unloved Volkswagen that's out there. And I definitely wanted to get some of the history on it and insight into the identification of Super Beetle, what makes them different, which we all know clearly. But what I did is I, I, I drug up and some of the listeners uh, brought Wayne Dean to my attention and He's out of Ontario, Canada, and he runs a website called superbeetle.com, also allaircold.com, and he was previously a contributing editor to VW Trans. So on today's show, I wanted to welcome Wayne Dean. Wayne, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Glad I'm, gl- I'm glad you're coming on because we've been wanting to do this for a while. So one of the ways that, obviously, we're going to talk about the Super Beetle, the history of the Super Beetle and all that stuff and how it came to be, but... The first and most important thing that we start this podcast off with is, what's your VW story and how did you get into Volkswagens? Okay, well, you know, I guess my story comes uh, sort of via Honda and Fiat, if you can, uh, if you consider that, you know. Yeah. My uh, family is, uh, we're huge in automotive. I'm an automotive, my son, my grandfather, my uncle, it just seems like everybody in the family is an automotive some, in some, some respect, you know. So uh, I started off working, uh, you know, for Honda. And I don't actually spent my career there, but I saw a lot of, uh, you know, used cars going in out of the lot. So what happened one day, a uh, 71 Fiat Spider came in, bought it, took it home. Didn't know anything about restoration, but I decided I'd do, a, you know, restoration on this car. Mm-hmm. Did it, loved it. Yeah, I did it, loved it for a few years, and then, I, you know, I got rid of it. But, you know, that sort of, you know, gives you that passion for the, uh, you know, the classic and vintage cars, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I was out for a drive, uh, you know, where we lived, and we saw this guy tinkering with a Volkswagen in his driveway. I pulled up, spoke to him, and the guy's name was uh, Mario, and he said, oh, you know, there's a Volkswagen show coming up. Would you want to come out and see it? So my wife and I went out there, and, you know, we you know we knew about the Beetle. I mean, who didn't? I learned to drive standard on a Beetle. My friend uh, taught me how to drive standard, so we went out there, and we went to the show uh, out in Kitchener, which is in Ontario, and there was like literally just a sea of Volkswagens, you know. I mean, I knew about the Beetle, I knew about the bus, but then I'm thinking, what's this? You know, type type threes, you know, Carmen Gias, buses, you know, they're everywhere things. And I just, uh, I fell in love with them, you know? Yeah. So after that, you know, the uh, the idea for me was to, to get a bug, you know, for like my hobby car. Uh, searched around at that point, you know, I just, all I knew is there was beetles out there, bugs, what everybody knew. That's really was the extent of my knowledge, you know? Yeah. So uh, people that, you know, buy these cars, you know, it's like you go on auto trader, you travel all over the place, you see them and they look, uh, you know, they look good from far, but then when you get close, it's, they're far from good. I saw so many turned around, went back home, didn't even knock on the door. Sometimes they're so rough. I wasn't really looking for a huge project at that time. <laughs> um, so anyways, <laughs> fast forward a little bit. We're on a vacation in British Columbia, visiting some friends on the other side of Canada. And uh, we drove by a Honda dealership, me working for Honda. I popped in there and there was this golden Volkswagen parked on the lot. So I mean, it's like, wow, this just seemed like, you know, his or karma. So got the keys took over a quick uh, test drive around the block and uh, came back, settled up, shipped it back to Ontario. And there I had my, my Volkswagen Beetle. Nice. Nice. And what, and so the first Beetle you bought, what color? It was gold. You said it was gold, you know, and at that point, you know, I just thought it was a Beetle. I come back and, you know, looking at this thing, I'm in love with it. And, 
you know, I start doing a little research, which is a little bit, uh, you know, difficult. This is back in 2000 and uh, wasn't a lot on the internet at that point. Right. So I started looking up and I, I realized that this 75 Volkswagen bot was a, a super Beetle. I'm like, super Beetle. You know, what, what's the difference between that and, you know, every other Beetle I see on the, on the road. So I start doing a little bit of uh, research and uh, to give credit where credit is due, I came across uh, Super Beetles Only, mm-hmm. which at that point was, yeah, I was online and I, you know, got close with the owner, James, and it was a, basically a, a forum uh, type of operation. So we discussed back and forth. He kind of clued me in on what I actually had there. And uh, I decided, uh, you know, I wanted to have my own, uh, my own website and I started up superbeetles.com, which literally probably hasn't changed in 20 years, kind of like the the Craigslist of Volkswagen website sure. uh, looks, it looks, it looks good, uh, good on a laptop, good on a tablet, but mobile friendly, maybe not so much. Right. And uh, maybe one day I'll rework, uh, maybe one day I'll rework it, but you know, tons of visitors and lots going on there. And that's, uh, that's what led me down the path. And so obviously how soon did you figure out that when you had a Volkswagen, when you had a super beetle, that there was definitely like a, like a little bit of a difference between some of the, early car guys and guys with super Beatles. Did you, did you experience much of that or did you, um, I'm a lover of all Beatles myself. And so I don't really shun the super Beatle crowd. And sometimes they get, you know, they, uh, they get told, Oh, that's too new or any of that kind of stuff. Did you, did you experience any of that when you first got it? Well, you know, uh, not, uh, not right up, right off the get go. You know, when I got it, I thought, Hey, I'm part of the Volkswagen scene. And, but then I realized you know, my Volkswagen is different than the majority of them that I was seeing at the show. And there was not really a lot of super Beatles there, more of the, uh, you know, the original standard, but I said, okay, well, my one's got fuel injection, which, you know, people, you know, don't really like the fuel injection in the Beetle for some reason, but I tell you, I've never had a, you know, a problem with it ever, but then I noticed, okay, you know, my, my trunk, my trunk's bigger. There's so much room there. And for me, I mean, I loved all Beatles. It, to me, it was in the, the evolution of the Beetle. But then there were some people, the purists, that would kind of look at the Super Pinball. You know, that's not a Beetle. You know, you've got strut suspension in the front. You don't have, you know, the torsion bars, the way the car was originally designed. And, there, you know, I think there was maybe a little bit of resentment, which, you know, to be honest, even in uh, my Facebook groups and, you know, I'm a member of a bunch of Facebook groups, you, you still do get a little bit of that to this day. And what's, it, what's interesting is coming from a Honda background like yourself, it wasn't a surprise to see struts. You're like, oh yeah, struts, that's cool, whatever. And then they're like, no, no, these <laughs> these with the torsion bar suspension are cooler. Like, and you're like, that's that's <laughs> older technology. Like that's 1940s technology suspension wise, you know. And the yeah. interesting the the interesting aspect of it, and, and the main reason that we're here to talk about is really the history of the Super Beetle. Why the Super Beetle became, and and the backstory into kind of what brought Volkswagen to make that decision. And, you know, I, I mean, arguably, especially when you take this into the Porsche world, right? I had a Porsche 996, which is the most shunned Porsche of all Porsches, right? And I had an 80, I had an 86 911. And the 99996 is a thousand times better of a vehicle. It's faster. It's got better air conditioning. It's more daily drivable. It's more reliable. And, I guess it depends on who you are, but you know, being a VW enthusiast, the the more you drive later and later and later models from a consumer car driving experience, they become more comfortable, easier to use. Like so many things are taken 
and, and taking it and evolved into the next model, which, which had to be a huge decision for Volkswagen, especially considering where they had been this whole time. So without, you know, getting too deep into it, let me let you kind of have the floor. And because I know you've got quite a bit of knowledge in this end, let's talk about where Volkswagen was, the inception of the Super Beetle, and then the evolution into where it goes and what drives all that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at the, at the point when the Super Beetle came out, I mean, Volkswagen sales were were definitely starting to drop off. I forget the number, but they were just selling, you know, hundreds of thousands of Beetles. And, uh, you know, the Super Beetle originally started off in uh, 1971. And, uh, you know, at that point, you look back in 71, you think what cars were out there. You know, we're talking the Toyota Corollas, Pintos, all those cars you know, where uh, North American uh, manufacturers, you know, finally after so many so many years realized that there is a market for uh, small cars. Uh, gas prices too, you know, they went through the crazy gas prices and, you know, they realized they had to put something on the market. So these cars came out and they were a uh, direct uh, competition to the Volkswagen Beetle, which, you know, we know at that point hadn't really changed, uh, you know, pretty, very much, you know, since its inception. Right. So Volkswagen, yeah, Volkswagen at that point, they made a decision, you know, we've got to modernize this bug and, you know, try to, uh, you know, fulfill the needs of the American consumer, which are, you know, straying away from the brand. Yeah. So uh, at that point, at that point, you know, the, uh, to rework, you know, the Beetle, you know, get rid of the torsion bars, put the strut suspension in. It was a, a huge investment for Volkswagen. I mean, uh, they were saying that if uh, Heinz Nordhoff, uh, you know, was still alive, they say they probably never would have uh, invested that, uh, you know, that that money, you know, to uh, to retooling it. You know, uh, I think it was at that point it was Kurlotz that made the decision to go down this route, and um, you know, the uh, the die was cast, the car was out, and when the first one came out in '71, which you know, to a lot of Super Beetle lovers is. Uh, is, is probably the favorite because it does have the traditional, you know, flat windshield and flat dash. So it, it looks similar to the original one, but it has the big, uh, the big hood that the purists don't like, and it has a strut suspension and the lay flat, you know, spare tire just to give that extra trunk room that people at that point were, were looking for. Yeah. yeah. And part of the, I mean, I think when you, when you look at things like you look at the type four motor, what they did was it looks like Volkswagen took all the flaws and waited. And then when they redeveloped it, they took that into consideration and just really went for broke in regards to development of technology that they implemented in the type four engine versus the type one. What, I mean, the, the, obviously the key aspects to the, to the super beetle is going to be the strut front end and the larger luggage room. But I mean, there's a lot of little, little bits and pieces that have changed besides that. What do you think? Yeah, that, that, that's, go ahead. So, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, no, I, go, I was gonna say, what are, what are some of the key, what are some of the, 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 the most monumental changes taking away the suspension in the front hood besides the McPherson strut in the front hood? What are some of their other technological advancements that came into the beetle, um, at that point that really they were trying to be more competitive. I mean, with the Japanese car market. Well, I, I think, you know, when it comes down, they were looking for a car that would have a, I mean, it does, you know, kind of go back to the strut suspension, but they're looking for a car that would, would just be 
I don't say more of a daily driver, but more that would, you know, fit the needs of the American consumer. I know the Supervial was sold, you know, worldwide, but I would think really the majority of their sales would have been in North America. Now, uh, you know, I've driven uh, the standard Beetle in the past. I've driven the Super Beetle. And when you do drive a Super Beetle, I mean, the, the ride on the car is just like night and day. It is so smooth. And it said that it drives, you know, when it came out, it drove more like a Ford rather than, than a Volkswagen. So I think, you know, really, uh, you know, creature comforts were a, bi- a big part of, uh, of the changes of the car, you know. I mean, even right down to this, you know, when you get to the 1303, just jumping ahead a little, ahead a little bit to the 73 model, you know, they put the curved dash in, they put the curved windshield in. It was like they were going for a bulk just to see, you know, uh, how far, you know, how, how much further in advancement they could, they could go in the vehicle. And I think at that point, they probably, you know, uh, they were waiting for, you know, the next model to come out, which would, I guess, be the Rabbit. But they're just trying to really extend the life of the vehicle by making all these changes. I mean, something a little as, you know, a different dashboard, you know, a different uh, flow-through ventilation system, you know, uh, for the driver to get more to get more air into the car, you know. And uh, after that, of course, a proliferation of a whole bunch of special uh, edition Beetles to just, you know, garner more attention and bring uh, people back to loving the bug again and uh, to boost their sales. Well, and what's interesting is you were as you were talking, I grabbed my trusty. If it, for those for those fans for those listeners of the podcast that listen normally, what my first issue of VW Trends that I had forever um, was a 1989 issue, June 89 issue, how to customize your VW, and I I own the one of the cars that's on the cover, but the reason it was one of my favorites is because it has. In the middle, there's about a, a six-page breakdown of the year-by-year changes of all the Beatles. And while you were talking, I was jotting down production numbers. And, <laughs> and so it looks like the peak year for sales was 1968. Then sales started to drop in 69, 70. And in 71, they hit a low of 330,000 at the introduction of Super Beetle. And then they jumped up, you know, another 10,000. And then another, uh, well, another... And then to 350,000 and then 74, they start to taper off again in sales. And I think, you know, looking at that, it's, you know, VW had that tried and true platform that had been forever. And it was their last ditch effort to kind of stay with the market and develop like the 911, right? As far as they could go with the air cooled design until they finally just said, we need to redevelop. I mean, how long can you ride one platform from 19? you know, 1943 from the pre-production models, you know what I mean? Into, into the late forties all the way. I don't think there's any other car other than the 911 really that did not change the shape, the form, the, the layout and the design for so many years consecutively, you know? And I think, and I think part of it was, you know, with, with the import market and cars becoming much, much more, um, fuel efficient, people driving them longer distances, stressing, stressing out the cars a lot more, you know, I think they had kind of reached their, their peak. And so looking at, you know, the gas crunch era and all that stuff that I think a lot of that had to play into it. But speaking of super Beetles specifically, they go, so the production for super Beetles is 71 through 75. Is that right? Uh, 71 through 75 for the sedan, but then the convertible uh, Super Beetle 1303 did continue on to 1979. And so after, 
so after that, they go back to the standard beetle and ditch the super beetle altogether. Is yeah, in right? the, so in seventy, yeah, seventy six and seventy seven, there were no more super beetle sedans. But uh, you know, at that point, there weren't a lot of uh, you know convertibles in the market, and this you know the super beetle convertible, which at that, that point, you know, from uh, that point on, was the only convertible. They had a standard sedan, but they only had a super beetle convertible. It was one of the only two uh, you know convertibles that were on the market in North America, and also you know. I think it was, you know, five or $6,000, a pretty reasonable way to, you know, to get there and drop your top and get the wind going through your hair. So it was, uh, it was popular just for the fact it was convertible. And also, you know, I think people knew the end was coming. So, uh, you know, the sales at towards the end were actually quite strong for it. And with Super Beetles in particular, you know, so now you've got in the world of Super Beetles, what is the most, in your opinion, what's the most desirable year Super Beetle? Well, mine is a 1975, and I would say it's probably not the most desirable, although, in my opinion, you know, it was the last year for the, the, the sedan, and it, it would be the most, I guess, technologically advanced. I think that when you get into the Super Beetle, uh, you know, the, the owners, and uh, like I have a Facebook group with about 3,500 people there and everybody gets along and uh, to all the standard beetle uh, owners out there, we love standard beetles. I mean, <laughs> just to kind of go off topic, just to go off topic, nobody in that group ever says anything about standard beetles. Occasionally you get a standard beetle owner that will join the group. They don't, you know, talk down to them. They don't kick them out of the group. You know, they let the person just get along, but you know, unfortunately, as it is with other standard beetle owners, they don't really like like the super beetle. So, right. you know, I just I just want I just want us all to to get along because we do we do definitely respect uh, you know where this car come from. But anyways, getting back on the topic, I think the favorite you know to super beetles owners owners is probably the seventy one or seventy two model, which is the uh, the thirteen oh two model, just because it has the characteristics of the original bug. And I have to say that would those would be my favorite years myself. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because 75 is the first year. What what really sets the 75 off is the fuel injection, right? That's the first year mm-hmm. for fuel. Last year for the Beetle, first year for fuel injection. So if you have a fuel-injected, kind of just at a glance, a, a Super Beetle with a fuel-injected badge on the back is going to be a 75, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think what's... Uh, yeah. I think it's it's unique that if you're a Super Beetle collector, my opinion would be get the get the last year that they made them, right? I mean, it would be the most ed- evolved Beetle of the Supers, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. The uh, the one I have is a Legrand, which was sort of a remake of the Sunbug from 1974. So it's uh, this one was um, Harvest Gold. It's got a you know crank back uh, crank back sunroof, you know fuel injection. Uh, corduroy seats and uh, when they marketed the, the Legrand bug which I think in Europe is called the big edition uh, they kind of um, were trying to you know to market as like an upscale deal they even had this uh, famous actress from back in the day called the Shasha Gabor yeah. you, can, you look up the commercial the Legrand bug commercials uh, on YouTube they're actually hilarious where uh, they have the car in front and she comes out and they have a chauffeur and the car and all this kind of stuff just to try to show how high-end uh, high-end the Legrand the bug was, you know? So that's the uh, that's the one that I own. Well, the corduroy seats are interesting, right? Because, you know, at, the, at this time, 
VW, you know, and I'm sure as a company, they were evolving with new people in different marketing segments and things to that degree where they started thinking, okay, what can we do to spur more sales or make, make the cars more customizable or unique or special editions, which is kind of what you get going on with the, you know, in 1973, when they start kicking out some of those special editions, I mean, 72, they did the, the Baja bug, right? Which was Exactly. I mean, it had a different set need, of wheels. Uh, and, I, think they made a, I think they made about a thousand of those. So they're, uh, they're quite collectible. You don't really see too many of those. Um, my personal favorite probably would be the sports bug, which came out in 73. And uh, I know f- for a fact, whenever I put uh, a sports bug up on my Instagram, but just gets hit like crazy. People just love it. Came in uh, a yellow or a, a blue and it has this funky black stripe that runs across the back, uh, deck lid up the sides, uh, black stripe with little red pinstriping. And if you get one that has, you know, all the all the proper fittings on it, you're going to have black headlight rings, black uh, turn signals, black bumpers, you know, special uh, tailpipe on the back. And it's just a, a gorgeous car. You know, just uh, I just love the way the style of it is. Well, and that was a pretty big, uh, a pretty big deal for VW to do that kind of to take a model and we're going to do special wheels, special bumpers, all this stuff. Because up until then, it was deluxe or standard and everything else was the same. You had your choice of colors and that was it. But at this point, VW really starts to get, you know, it starts off with with the Baja bug in 72. And then in 73, you get the, the sports bug is introduced. And then we have the love bug, the sun bug, you know, the Legrand bug. Now, I just recently at the last Barrett-Jackson I was at, there was a Sunbug convertible and it it was a restoration. And I could mm-hmm. tell standing from 10 feet away, it was a restoration. So that gives you the level of restoration that was done on it, right? Like I thought, okay, yeah. this car's clearly been restored. And I want to say that car sold for 30 grand for wow. that convertible, which was pretty surprising to me for a restored Super Beetle convertible. But Maybe it shouldn't be because I think with some of those some of those additions, I think you're going to start getting some collectability. I know that the the um, the sport bugs they have a pretty strong following, and I you know I've always been a fan of the Super Beetle. I'm I'm a huge fan of German look Super Beetles. I've always liked oh. you know a Euro kind of a Euro look. I, I like the oxymoronic aspect of the bug that looks like it's super fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of the German look too. You know, the, uh, the uh, Porsche influence there, the pastel colors of those cars. Yeah. I mean, they just, I mean, I don't know how fast all of them are, but they look fast uh, sitting still. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and so I've, you know, my thing is I keep holding back because I, today I can go on and I'm lucky enough to live in Las Vegas, right? So most of the stuff that I'm going to find, if it's from here, it's so dry, it'll make you guys sick, right? And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, and I look at them and go, ah, it's all dried from the desert and all the dash is cracked and all those parts and pieces need to be replaced. But the reality is, I keep, I keep, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for one. I'm going to find one. I told you we'd spoke on the phone shortly previously this week. And I talked about one that was for sale on a local classifieds. It's a sport bug and it's, they're asking like three grand, 3,500 bucks for it. And I'd pay, I would buy it for two grand. I mean, I, I need it like a hole in the head. Right. But 
it's missing the black parts, but it's got the stripe on it. And looking at the photographs, I can see the bolstered seat. So I know it's an actual sport bug. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to find the, the right one. And I was recently start. I started going down the rabbit hole of, um, uh, of the uh, Super Beetles. And uh, next thing you know, I'm on the Super Beetle, scbeetles.com, special edition Beatles website. Yep. And I'm going on that. And then I start going through the Facebook pages. And there's some nice ones. And they're selling for like fully restored, done, ready to go. They're 20 grand. And I think, in my opinion, they're worth every bit of it, you know? Yeah. So. Well, what have we all seen in the, what have we all seen in the Volkswagen market? You know, I mean, they're just, uh, they're just uh, going through the roof. Uh, it's funny too, you know, you know, Volkswagen's just never seem to die. I mean, how many times do you, you know, you're sitting watching Netflix or watching TV Every commercial's got a Volkswagen in it. Every uh, you know movie's got a Volkswagen in it. They, you know their pop, uh, popularity has just uh, has been you know going up and up over the years. And you know that being said, I mean the Super Beetle because you know it was made from '71 right up to '79. There's a lot of Super Beetles out there. They're probably you know they're the you know the newest uh, incarnation of the Beetle you can get. You know apart from you know going to, you know to like a Mexi Beetle or something like that. And uh, the good thing about them is there's a lot of parts available for them out there. There's just uh, all the uh, the aftermarket suppliers, and uh, even myself when I was uh, looking for a hood for mine, my my Legrand was in just perfect condition. But I am just like crazy, crazy, you know, fussy. And they'd done some work on the inside of the hood, which I did look, yeah. I didn't like. So I called up my uh, local Volkswagen dealership, and Volkswagen Canada actually had a brand new Super Beetle hood in stock. So I bought it and on a went, you know, really that's, that's crazy. They would still, they would still have a, uh, an original hood in stock. So yeah. I, I couldn't believe it myself. I got a, a set of the old, uh, microfiche, uh, from uh, a Volkswagen dealership that I knew. I looked it up and dropped the part number over and they said, Oh yeah, we can get that for you. And I don't know how much it was five or $600, <laughs> but for a brand new, you know, <laughs> Volkswagen hood, I thought that was a pretty good deal. No. And, and, and part of the thing is with, with, the Super Beetles, especially because it's you know it's a it's really a four year run um, on these Beetles, and the parts are specific to these Beetles on a lot of them, especially the ones that are the non convertibles. Or you know, I think there's going to be. I think we're probably 10, 15 years out from it, but seeing the Super Beetles start to be collectible because even myself, as you know, I've got a varied collection of Volkswagens, but I really like there's a part of me that just loves the the effort Volkswagen put into designing and developing the latest and greatest and you know the differences from a 59 to a 65 and to look at the unique little things that were just small slight creature comforts but when it comes to like the collecting part of it you know I, I have a Mexican beetle I've got a 2003 Rojo and it's a it's a standard, so it's all red with um, red bumpers and black trim, and so I, I the license plates on it say O3 Cal Look, and then I have just lowered spindles on it, and a set of four lug Cosmics, and um, it's got about forty five hundred original kilometers on it, and I've been and I've been torn right. I was talking to my buddy Burley Burlisle, and he and I are talking, and I thought, you know, I really I really want to just drive it, you know, cause he bought a brand new Mexican Beetle and he says, you know, I decided I'd put every mile in it. So I ended up thinking 
I'm going to drive this thing. And then I get in it and the seats sit too high because I'm six foot and, and I, and I'm used to driving my early cars with the seats sit a lot lower. And, yeah. but, but I love it. I love, I love, it's so funny because even for Mexico, they did such a, such a more simplified basic version of a Volkswagen. The wiring harness is completely different. It's fuel injected. It's hydraulic lifters. It's, everything to make it as simple and easy to own as possible, you know? And I just love the thing. It's fuel injected. I go out to the garage, I turn the key fires up every time. No issues. So let's talk about, I know when I, <laughs> when I got my people, yeah, people say that fuel injection, you know what? I mean, you know, if you have a bug out there and it's running, it's got fuel injection, leave it alone. The car just purrs like a kitten. I mean, the only, like I'm a, a stock kind of guy, so like my car stock. I mean, what did I do? I pulled out the points and put a Pertronics in, in there. But I mean, apart from that, it did nothing else in this car. It just, it, the fuel injection is just fantastic. And you hear stories, oh, you know, I got a, a Super Beetle. I'm going to rip the fuel injection out and go back to carburetor. I mean, unless you're looking to do some kind of, uh, you know, performance modification, you know, carburetors and things like that. If you have fuel injection that's working, leave it. Yeah. So let's talk about the fuel injection for a little bit. Do you do you do any of the work on your own car in respect to some of the tune-ups and maybe some engine stuff? I mean, have you spent time studying the EFI on it or do you have a, a trusty, reliable friend that can help you with that? Well, I mean, uh, when I started off with Honda, I started off as a, you know, a technician kind of worked my way through, mm-hmm. but I mean, uh, I ended up in, you know, being an operations manager for Honda, but I mean, I do have, you know, you know, uh, I do like doing my mechanics on it, but when it comes to the fuel injection, Hey, it's funny. There's this uh, guy in Toronto mm-hmm. and, uh, I used to work with him at the Honda dealership. He left and started his own business and he was a factory trained air cooled Volkswagen t- technician. He had this uh, certificate on the wall. They got them from Volkswagen Canada and said, uh, you know, master master of Volkswagen or something like this. And he's the only guy that I let uh, work on my car, you know, the fuel injection, things like that. And he's done, you know, just because of his experience with the car, when the car was riding, uh, you know, too high in the front, he did did the adjustment in the rear to lower the the car down. And I just trust this guy so much that he's the guy that I take my car to. And what's interesting, when you look at the fuel injection setup, especially on like a LeGrand bug, I mean, they utilized every square inch of that engine compartment. And it is like just trying to put oil in, it looks like it's it's a hassle. I mean, you've got, you've got, looks like smog stuff protruding from between the pulleys, you know, underneath the fan belt. There's so much that seems to be going on there. Um, how does that, what type of EFI setup is it? The, uh, so you, the thing is in being in Canada, we have a little bit of a different version up here mm-hmm. down in California. They put, uh, you know, catalytic converters and, and, uh, you know, other pollution devices on that. There wasn't really that much on the, uh, on the Canadian version, yeah. but the fuel injection is uh, computerized Bosch L jetronic, you know, fuel injection. And I mean, you know, as far as uh, mains do it, there's there's really you know nothing nothing to do on it. You know, you drive the car, you change your spark plugs, and do a, do all your other you know tune up items, air filters, and that. And it, the fuel injection just uh, keeps on ticking. I mean, I think I had a leaky uh, O ring in one of the injectors, but I mean, considering the car is like as old as it is, I mean, I think that's uh, pretty incredible. So you still have like in respect to to that. The components on your EFI motor are all mostly original. 
everything is original on the car. And uh, another funny story too, is this uh, other guy that I met through Volkswagen, he gave me uh, like a milk crate and it was just filled with like fuel injectors and the actual, you know, the ECU for the car and stuff like that. And I still have them sitting in the garage and I haven't put a part in it, you know, since I've owned the car. Really? And how long, how long have you owned this car? Well, I picked it up in, in 2000. So you've had that car 22 years. How many, how many miles have you put on it? It uh, has uh, about 60,000 uh, miles on it because it, it's like a weekend, weekend uh, warrior. And of course, uh, up here in Canada, we have six months in the, in the uh, in storage. So uh, it gets driven about half a year. So when you bought it, how many miles were on it? Honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> it's been that long. But you know, the, the funny thing is that when I, like I said, when I went and picked it up at the Honda dealership and took her for a drive. So, you know, being a Honda employee, they threw me the keys. I went around the block and the first thing that my wife's in the car and I pop the hood and I'm crawling all over this thing. I'm looking under it and I didn't know much about Volkswagen. I thought, man, this car is just super clean. Pop the hood. <laughs> there, you know, I pop the hood and there's a cardboard box and it has owner's manuals in it. So the person, when he traded in, he gave all of his Volkswagen, you know, uh, paraphernalia, all these extra parts just under the hood. So I'm flipping through this thing. And lo and behold, I find the guy's phone number that traded the car into the Honda dealership. So go for the pay phone, no cell phone back then, call him up and, hey, buddy, I'm just about to buy your car from a Honda dealership. Can you tell me a little bit about it? <laughs> so the guy goes, oh, man, I, I love that car. But, you know, came time, I wanted something different. So I traded in and I got a Honda. And, you know, he goes, I've done everything. He went through all the things he did to the car and all the restoration process he went through. So, man, after hearing that, that car was sold. And if you don't mind me asking, what, what did you buy it for back then in 2000? What did it sell for at the dealership? I I paid, uh, it was a dealership, I paid $4,000 for it. And I it's funny too, the car, was in, the car was in such good shape that I would take it out. And shortly after that, the new Beetle came out. And mm -hmm. it was just like, you know, literally, hey, you know, the Beetle's coming back, which, you know, was, I don't know if you want to call an incarnation of Beetle, but... <laughs> People have a lot of different very uh, varying opinions on the new Beetle, but right. when I would drive my one around my Beetle around, people would see it and they go, "Oh, is is that the new Beetle there?" Because the car was literally driving in the showroom condition. So uh, yeah, I got get, definitely gets a lot of attention. I, and so to I mean to get lucky enough to find one that ha and I think that's maybe the challenge with Super Beetles, right? Like everybody had that one hillbilly friend that was like, "Oh yeah, take it over to Rick. He does Volkswagens." And you go over there with your fuel-injected car that's not running right, and he says, first thing you got to do is rip all this crap out, throw you a carburetor on here. I mean, how many have been sacrificed like that just because someone didn't know what they were doing? And and I think when you're out shopping for a Super Beetle, you really, I think there you've got to find one that's, try to find one, I, I would suggest as mostly original as you can if you're trying to um, preserve the super beetle aspect of it. You know, I think that's uh I think that's a big a big thing when you're trying to find those because you know, I'm I'm per perusing one on the, the VW Legrand bug on Facebook looking at one that looks like it's all original like 240 miles on it and I mean these cars are they're pretty wild and and really kind of deluxe for a Volkswagen, you know, I mean as far as like with the corduroy and the and, and the real kind of fancy uh fancy look on these things but yeah i i definitely think 
and that's part of where I'm at. I'm thinking, oh, I could go buy that one, probably go call that guy up. It's been on this page for sale forever. And I could probably go buy that sport bug for 1500 bucks. But now I got a sport well, bug that's missing a bunch of parts and pieces. And now try, <laughs> and so it's like, what do I do? Do I wait to find a really nice original sport bug to buy? Or do I want, because part of the thing with being VW guys, I think we, we like to be hands-on and we like to tinker with things, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think if you can find one really original, I mean, you you probably have the score the score of a century there um, to find one in that nice to shape. And you, when you bought it in 2000, was that guy the original owner of it? He Yeah, he was the original owner. So, uh, you know, it, like just like looking at the car and I mean, like after that, the Fiat I had, which was just, I mean, I literally bought it for $300 at the dealership. And when I got it home, I took the uh, front carpet out and uh, there was no floor where the pedals were just like a giant hole, like a Fred Flintstone's car. <laughs> right. So, you know, s- seeing something like that and going to all I did to, uh, to restore it and then seeing a car like this, which is, you know, 71 to 75, you know, only four years newer to see in that condition, it literally, uh, literally blew me away. Yeah. It's, I mean, I have my new, my new uh, Mexican beetle. It sits in my rack in my garage and you've got to roll the window down when you close the door when you're sitting inside it. Otherwise, you got to slam it real hard because the air pressure inside the car. So, this you know, there's something really unique about an all original Beetle and the quality of how they were built. You know, I think that's that's a huge part to me. You know, because they were they were known. I mean, some of us like I'm 50 and I didn't grow up. You know, the first new car I had, I think I was. 25 years old when I had my first new car and I don't remember my family ever getting a new car, you know? So it's like to be able to go back in time to some degree and sit in a brand new Beetle. And for me, it's my 2003. Right. And I think yeah, even, and, and cause even the Mexican Beetles get a little bit of a bad rap, right? Like, Oh, they're, they're not really, everybody wants to define what's really a Beetle and what's not a Beetle. Right. And this is essentially like a 72, or a 73 standard with an with a swing axle rear end and you know it's just a it's a unique design on this on the Mexican Beetles but still it's a brand new car and you get in it and even the quality of this is built nicer than most stuff that I've seen restored yeah yeah no I, I myself personally I do like the uh the Mexi Beetle and I actually wrote the uh the uh, story for BW Trends uh, for the end of production of the uh, Mexi Beetle it was called uh, The Last Beetle. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, you know, of course, published in BW Trends magazine. I did a lot of research on that. And, uh, you know, I was thinking at that point, I'm thinking, man, I, I would just love to get my hands on the, uh, you know, the ultimate edition, the very last one that was uh, for sale. But at, at that point, uh, trying to, to buy a new one, which they weren't super expensive, but importing them from Mexico to uh, to Canada, you know, with uh, tariffs and it just it just was was not uh, feasible at that time. So, I wouldn't uh, write one of those off in, in in you know in the future. And uh, you know, then again, too, it's not a super beetle, but I mean, I love all beetles. I love standards. I love the Mexi beetle, which is kind of a mix of everything. Right. But I mean, you know, really, really, I gotta say, my heart really is you know with the super beetle, and uh, I, you know, it's kind of nice to be out there and to be uh, supporting kind of a you know, uh, you know, a little segment of the Volkswagen, I shouldn't say a little, but the segment of the Super Beetles 
and trying to, you know, to get them out there and even at this point to get them, uh, you know, accepted by, uh, you know, by standard Beatles and, you know, even other, you know, uh, Volkswagen owners that may kind of look down on the car. It's a Volkswagen. It's a uh, part of the evolution of the car and the Volkswagen got better and better and better. Sure. I love the standard bug. I love super bug, but you know, it's, uh, it's just where Volkswagen was headed with the car. And, and if, uh, if the sales were to continue, who knows where it would have went. Oh, with, without question. I think, uh, I think it's something, something, uh, which would be really a unique, a unique model. And I really, when they came out with the new beetle, I just think if they would have reached out to the current enthusiasts that were driving the old air cool beetle and said, give us the must haves for this. I think they would have built the vehicle that have that would still be being built today because the second gen of the new beetle, in my opinion, is way more, it's less feminine looking and more. And the funny part is, you know, everybody would gear probably in the seventies, people would gear VWs to like quote unquote, a chick's car. But I think more guys drive them than anything else. And more guys hot rod them and restore them and do all that kind of stuff and, and hold on to that nostalgia. And I think being v, being brand loyal as the VW air cooled people are if they would have done a tribute with that because like the r-line beetle of the second gen of the water pumper is really a sharp looking car it's a car that i drive it doesn't look i think the problem with the new beetle when it came out especially with the daisy hubcaps and all that nonsense it kind of looked a little too like it was target demographic for a teenage girl's first time car and and i think i think if they had put a little more effort into making it more of a I think they got so caught up in the concept of the real, because it was really a future, it, it may be the first futuristic retro car that was built. I'm not sure if the PT Cruiser or any of those had come out yet, but for sure the Beetle with that, that, that relaunch with the new Beetle, I think, you know, it, it was too cutesy in the beginning for most guys that wanted to buy a car and customize it to take it seriously. But uh, the second gen is great, and I wouldn't mind picking up a second gen new beetle just because they're more aerodynamic looking they're a little more sporty a little more aggressive looking but uh i I definitely think if vw stayed true to the the people that are involved in the brand now i think it would have been a a much more successful vehicle but you know it it remains to be seen i mean the same thing is with current market trends and, and for them it's just a business there's a lot of things that we see go by the wayside where we wonder well, why would they kill that? Everybody loved it. And then they're really, the demand wasn't there, you know, at least from the bean counter standpoint. But um, in respect to bringing it back to super beetles, I think, I think super beetles are going to be moving into the next collectibles. I honestly believe that, especially as people start to go down the road of the special editions, you know, and I think the, the, the real component would be how do you quantify how many of those were made? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, when it comes to uh, like special editions, I mean, I think the numbers are there for certain ones like, uh, you know, the Baja and, uh, what's the, uh, the well, the Weltmeister, the world champion, there's numbers out there for that. And a lot of them had the little, uh, you know, plaques that would go on the dash where there were actually numbers. So the numbers are there, are there for those you know, numbers for, uh, you know, the grand bug and, you know, the, uh, the sun bug, which, you know, was actually produced in a super, in a standard, and, you know, and convertible model, model as well. I mean, who knows what the numbers are, are, you know, are there for those. And, 
you know, how collectible they are. But, you know, just to give a shout out to uh, sebeetles.com, if you go there, that's just a great uh, reference to look at all the special editions. And when you go there, you literally will lose your mind when you see how many special different uh, special edition Beatles were produced around the world. It just, every time I go there, I see another one that I didn't know about. And they're always, uh, Colin, he's a great Briton. I met him when I was over in London. He's just out there researching and, uh, you know, bringing more SE Beatles uh, onto the website, you know. Uh, one, uh, one, uh, one SE Beetle that I've mentioned uh, that I do like is the, uh, the yellow, bra- yellow black uh, racer. And uh, it's uh, just a, a super car. It had like a, a high performance engine, and there's a lot of information in that car too. I don't think it never made it over to North America, but it's uh, yellow, got a black hood, and a hot engine in it, and uh, very cool, uh, very cool uh, Volkswagen. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, and I and I think you know because they had, and I don't know if they did they do they did a jeans beetle out here. Or they called it a denim, or what? Yeah. Did they what was the? Yeah, they did they, they did a jeans beetle that was over in Europe. I mean, uh, when we think of over North America, I mean, I don't. It, to me, you know, from just what I've looked at, it looks like there was a a lot more uh, special edition that were pr- produced for uh, European market North America. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you try to think, you know, off the top of your head, you know, what comes to mind, you know, you think. You know, you think Sunbug, you think, uh, you know, Baja, think Sportsbug, you know, uh, to me, Lovebug. I think there was a Lovebug over North America, but not yeah. a whole lot more than that. Not a whole lot more than that made it to the side of the uh, the ocean. So in Europe, you're saying they did way more spe- way more boutique special editions than they did stateside. Oh yeah, you know, def- definitely. I mean, if you, if you, you know, go down the, you know, a couple of lists here, you got the extra bug, the GT bug, the power pack beetle. Uh, you got the, uh, let's see, I'm just taking a quick clicker. You got the big, you got the city, you got the jeans, got the luxury, you got the magpie. It just, <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. And I guess, uh, you know, jeans three, and of course, you know, towards the end, uh, you know, the epilogue editions, uh, when the, uh, convertible was winding down champagne editions, triple white and things like that. Yeah, that's intense. I mean, you know, to, to put so much, so much detail in or specialty approaches on some of these cars is super cool because you can, you can have your own unique little beetle and you wonder how many of those are actually out there still, you know, that, that people purchase because yours, if you bought it in 2000 and it was a, it was a 75, it's like, how lucky can you get to find a, in 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 the year 2000 to find a 1975 beetle all original, you know, with low miles on it, traded into a dealership, you know, I mean, it's, it, it brings me to wonder when you find these super old relics out there, how many, you know, of even the newer ones are still around and waiting to be picked up, you know, because last, the last buy that a friend of mine did in Casper, Wyoming, the guy had, and I think one of the real popular ones that there's a lot of are the epilogue edition. I think there's a lot of those out there. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, there are. You know, everybody seemed to just try to like it's the same when the, the, the when Chevy did the 454 SS pickup truck or they did the Monte Carlo SS. Like whenever they do a special edition, you can always find a, quite a few of those that are original unrestored because people were were, you know, prospecting the market that they're going to be huge collectibles but i think some of them backfired but with with the with these oddball special edition vehicles i think it would be super cool to 
to be able to to kind of put them all, be able to look at them all, you know, in, in one in an, in a screenshot of how many different special editions they had, and most of them I think would just be trim packages, right? Yeah, but, you know, basically, it's funny, you know, when you talk about uh, you know special edition or collectible anything, it's like whenever you see special edition, they always seem to be the least collectible things, you know. They come out with a you know, limited edition <laughs> record album back in the day, and but they make so many of them that's not collectible at all. Right. But uh, you know, you know that that being said, these these sort of off ones where they come along and all of a sudden you see this, uh, you know, a Jeans Three Super Beagle, and you go, man, what is that? How many were produced? Are there, you know, how many were actually on the road? How many are still on still on the road? You know. Yeah. But uh, you know, getting back towards the end of the production of the Beetle when they only were making the Super Beetle convertible from. Uh, uh, 76 to 79 and they came up with the uh the epilogue edition and that was uh it was only 200 dollars extra for that option you know and it came with like an amfm radio it had the you know the triple black paint which is supposed to uh you know date back to when the first kdf wagons you know came out and when you know the only uh color you could get was black they kind of did a full circle and they brought that uh you know back to the epilogue edition and, uh, you know, triple black is still a, a very sought after car, but, you know, I'm sure there are probably quite a few of them out there, uh, towards the end. I know production was supposed to, uh, was supposed to end in July of 1979, but the man just had peaked so much at the end because, you know, the collectors knew this is going to be the end of the, the end of the era. So they kept production running until January of 1980. So I'm sure there's a lot of epilogues out there. Yeah, what's interesting is I show, as according to the Hot VW's magazine that I have, 1979 U.S. sales, apparently there was convertibles only sold, and 10,681 units were sold, and compared to 78 of 9,930, 9, which is within a short amount of time. I mean, it looks like around... From seventy four, there was there was two hundred and twenty five thousand, two hundred twenty six thousand sold. To nineteen seventy five, it drops to less than a hundred thousand beetles are sold. Seventy around eighty looks like around eighty one, eighty two thousand beetles were sold. So you drop from two hundred twenty five to eighty two thousand beetles, and then in seventy six, twenty three thousand beetles. You know, so it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's crazy how quickly it was dropping off, but I think that also had to do with probably the introduction of, you know, the Rabbit, you know, which was the next version of VW's Econo car. So, mm -hmm. and you know, even uh, some parts from the Beatles, as uh, you know, uh, Super Beetle owners know, a lot of some parts are transferable. Uh, mechanical parts are transferable between the cars. I know people come and say, "Hey, take a you know wiper stock switch off a Rab, and you can put it into your Super Beetle. And all of a sudden, you're going to have uh, you know electric uh, washer fluid rather than it running off the air bottle." So, right. uh, you know, there was a, a transition there. But uh, what you said is also pretty interesting because you can see when the numbers dropped off, uh, you know, on the Super so dramatically in like 1976 i yeah. mean you want to talk about a car that's collectible look how low those numbers are so i mean you know well, just owning a you know a 76 75 super beetle you've got a pretty pretty uh, collectible car uh, you know just right from the get-go there oh yeah when you when you're talking in 19 in 1977 beetle sales u.s beetle sales these are all predicated with the u.s U.S. Beetle sales, convertibles and sedans. There were twelve thousand sedans built, seventy-one hundred convertibles built, 
And then wow. in 78, they go convertible only and it's 9,900. So it's like 12,000 wasn't enough to be in a production. So they just cut the line, which is just insane when you're thinking just three years earlier, they were selling hundreds of thousands of Beatles, you know? So, yeah. um, I, I think, uh, I never even thought of it that way. Right. Like a 19th, the last hard top beetle you can get, it looks like is a U.S. spec beetles, 1977. So finding a 1977 beetle is one of 12,000 beetles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, really to think about that. That's really, I mean, people are probably listening to us yeah. going, these two idiots talking about rare super beetle. <laughs> but think of it, you're talking one of 12, I've got a 65 Riviera. Yeah. They made 40,000 that year. And that's a super yeah. rare yeah. car, you know, but uh, man, so that's it guys. Listen, listen, Wayne and I are letting the world know today. If you, we, the 77 beetle is the one to get, right? If you can get the 77 <laughs> beetle, the last, the last uh, sedan beetle you can buy, and you'll be one of twelve thousand ninety made in the U.S. So, I yeah, that's, that's yeah. When you when you look when you look at the numbers, the numbers are supporting what what we're saying here. So, everybody, uh, you know, take take note. That's for sure. And you know that uh, you know everything is out there somewhere. You know, there's somewhere locked away, some garage, some place. There's a 77, uh, you know, uh, Beetle sedan out there with like probably 50, 50 miles on it. That's uh, just going up in value every single day. And uh, who knows when it's going to surface? Yeah. And, and no one, and no one knows. Everyone's like, get this old junky Beetle out of here. And they don't really know, you know, they haven't talked to Bill or Wayne uh, to find out how rare the thing is. You know what I mean? So I, now my eyes are like, oh, I got to find a 77 Beetle. What can I find? But you know, I see it's a sickness. That's what happens. You get so fired up into it. Um, yeah, but, like they're like Lay's potato chips, right? You can't just own just one. That's right, sure. right. Now talk to me. So have you owned earlier Beetles than a Super Beetle? You know, I got to say, and, you know, I don't know if I'm embarrassed or not, but this is the only Volkswagen that I've ever owned, you know. I bought this car, I fell in love with it, and I fell in love with the whole Super Beetle, you know, uh, you know, uh, this whole Super Beetle end of the of the line, and I've just uh, stayed true to this. I've owned other cars before, uh, you know, Honda S2000 and this and that and all these other kind of things, but this is my, uh, my one and only Volkswagen, and, uh, you know, I love it. And I, you know, I'm curious cause I've never had one with the full dash now and, and full dash is like every day for you. Right. So what is the, what, what are the creature comforts that they have in the full dashboard? I mean, the curved windshield well, to make the, it feel spacious, obviously, but I mean, like as far yeah, as like, well, you know, what, what they did is when, when the 73 came out, the 1303 Volkswagen, uh, apparently there was legislation coming out that said you had to be so far, you know, back from the, uh, back from the windshield. I mean, you know, the flat dash, I mean, your nose is pressed, pressed right up against it. You get an ax, you're going to bounce your head off. It's a Volkswagen. You know, they push the, uh, they push the dash out. Uh, they push the windshield out and they extended the curved dash there. As far as creature comforts, I mean, you have your little teeny air vents on, on either, you know, on either side there. You have a, you know, club box, uh, you know, a fair size compared to the other one. The one thing you do lose is that, you know, you can't fold your glove box down and put your coffee on there anymore because it doesn't come down all the way. And you have a nice, uh, you know, wood grain kind of applique that uh, that runs across the center of the dash. But 
you know, apart from that, uh, not too much more. Uh, uh, another reason they said that they put the new dash is that, uh, you know, they knew that uh, airbag uh, legislation was coming down the tubes. And I think at that point when it came out in 73, maybe they weren't, you know, they didn't know the longevity of this car, how long would the Super Beetle be on the road? And they were making room for airbags to go into the uh, dashboard in the future. Hmm. Yeah, that's... So, so Volkswagen probably hadn't dreamed at that point that sales would just plummet or fall off like a rock. But I guess if you're going to the dealership and it's a thousand bucks more for the new Rabbit, which is the newest, latest, and greatest, you know, maybe that's uh, maybe VW killed itself. <laughs> you know what I mean with the with the development of of having that Rabbit out there and having that compete because I think uh, you know if VW had planned to start preparing for airbags, there, there was a more of a long-term projection on that Beetle. I mean, shoot, they've got a history of so many years. Why would it drop off so suddenly? But I guess once they put that new model to compete against it, it really, it really negatively impacted sales. So I don't know. I mean, so the fresh, did the fresh air vents work fairly well on the dash? Cause those are built into the dash on this, right? Yeah, they're, they're built in the dash. They have like a little swivel on either side, like a little round circle, and you can, uh, you know, turn on the fan motor to get a little bit of air through there. They have the, uh, you know, the air intake, uh, you know, in front of the windshield for the, fre- the for the fresh air. But, uh, you know, it, it does provide more in the cabin, and it also the Super Beetle has the little crescents behind the uh, quarter windows, and that's just, you know, part of the uh, flow-through ventilation, as they called it, the sales brochure back then. So that's what the rear vents were for. They were there to allow air to flow from the vent to the front and escape out of the back without pressurizing the cab or what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then they also had like little, if you go by the rear glass, they had like little vents on either side of it and the air kind of made its way through the cabin, through the vents and then out through the crest window. So the air would flow through the uh, the vehicle when you're you know driving down the road. The unfortunate thing, you know, I think uh, any Super Beetle owner that's out there knows is that uh, around the back of those cars, they actually filled them with an expanding foam, which is known in VW circles as the death foam. And that <laughs> foam was back there around the uh, the trunk, uh, the, sorry, the uh, rear deck light area as well. It kind of got moist and that's, uh, you know, caused uh, rusting back there. So if you see the bubbling back there, you just, uh, you know, eventually you're going to have to open that up, get that foam out of there and repair it, which, you know, eventually I had to do in my car too. And the, and that's where VW and the earlier models where the wiring loom would come down over top on the early models, they used to have like a triangular shaped pillow stuffed with something. This is the only way I could describe it. They would just kind of tuck up there to keep the engine fumes from coming up through the headliner space. But you're saying in the later models, they sprayed that with spray foam inside, huh? Yeah, there's a foam in there, and I think, you know, it's probably twofold. It's, it's uh, you know, probably uh, to stop engine noise from coming back through into the cabin, but uh, the unfortunate side effect is the rust that uh, occurs there. So, you know, I mean, at one point I saw it, and, you know, as you're getting those uh, lovely bubbles coming up through the paint, you just know, well, I can I can only, you know, pretend I don't see them for, for so long, and then eventually you just got to bite the bullet and repair the damage. So luckily enough, we uh, had a body shop where I was working, and I had the repairs done there. Now, I wonder, um, so on the Super Beetles, could you buy a Super Beetle auto stick? Uh, yeah, the auto stick was out there. You don't, you don't see many of them, and I'm sure just like in – you know, any other uh, Volkswagen, like even the earlier models, anybody with an auto stick, uh, you know, people were pulling them out and putting the standard transmissions. And so, uh, you know, from the people I have my Facebook group, uh, probably about 3,500 
you don't hear very many auto sticks, but people that do have them, uh, they love them, you know? Well, my, you know, my brother's got a restoration shop here in Las Vegas and he, he restored a 68 auto stick convertible for a family. And what's amazing is really how technologically advanced the auto stick is, you know? I mean, it's really, it engages, it engages a clutch as soon as you put your hand on the shifter and it's really a really well-designed uh, system. And it's funny because even they, they came out at the same time with auto stick Porsches. Uh, some of the, some of the Porsches back then had that and they seem to be lower in value back then on the resale market. But now lately everything is starting to now spike because they realize exactly how rare they are because it may have been too far ahead of its time, you know? And uh, I think they're, you know, these are just more little niche things that I think would be super cool to track these things down, you know, try to locate an auto stick super beetle would be, you know, a pretty, that would definitely be a rare, a rare vehicle for sure. I think. Yeah, it, it, it definitely rare. Um, the, you know, the auto stick. I mean, if I, you know, I like sure I like driving my uh, my standard transmission, but uh, you know, I think if you're in the right situation, you're out cruising, maybe some stop and go traffic, the auto stick would probably be uh, pretty handy to have. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I have I own a notchback that was uh, customized out of Bakersfield back in the '80s. It was a cover car, and. 64 notch that's it's pink or it's raspberry with graphics and all it's it's a perfect 80s car and what made it perfect like when i got it and i was so surprised because i never thought about it they made it a full auto and i thought hmm. oh man this thing's a full auto until you're cruising the strip you really <laughs> you really have no concept of how awesome a full auto cruiser is and i thought you know like looking at that car i thought that's the perfect application for a full auto and especially in the 80s you know when when guys are out there building their cars in the 80s your goal is to take this classic car and make it as modern as you could you know until later we come back and we're looking at those cars that were built in the 80s thinking like oh they cut that off huh they filled that (laughs) They, they put those things in it but um you know that automatic transmission is really they're really good transmissions and and my understanding is they're very very bulletproof you know audi went on to use them is my understanding and some things to that extent with the full autos too so um i think you know we hit on a few things we've, we've identified that a 77 beetle's worth a ton and if you can find an auto stick super that's a keeper and yeah. i think these are cars that are that they're unique in limited production small quantities i mean they had fewer of these things than you know than than they did of some of the real rare type threes you know and and speaking of type three you know the type three was the car that was supposed to kind of make the beetle go by the wayside you know the type three was like all right volkswagen's now going to build a real car you know yeah yeah it was uh, you know i think uh you know volkswagen was just holding on the tech is going to come out and that's going to be our saving grace and you know it'll uh you know just keep the air cooled uh you know volkswagen going on forever but uh, unfortunately it didn't do you still uh, own your notch i do <laughs> i've got is it uh out of, is, is it out of canada or is it out of europe no, it's, well, I you don't. Know? I don't know the origins of where that car came from. I definitely like to track it down because we know they were never shipped to stateside. But I'll probably send a birth certificate to get to, to find out about that car because it yeah. was like a discarded notch in Bakersfield. And if you go back to listen to the podcast episode with Steve Connect, he's the guy that actually built it, and he built 
a bunch of cars. He was involved with uh, Rod Buster and all these really famous cars that were built in the 80s that came out of Bakersfield and really shook up the car scene in Southern California. And uh, it's, you know, it's one of my things to, you know, eventually have, uh, you know, just put together like a documentary style of everything that happened in Bakersfield because it was just such a unique time in the 80s. But this car... You know, I, I've got that. I've got a Type 34 Gia, so I don't. I've got to get the letter on wow. both those cars. I've got all. The, I got. I got too many cars. Listen, listen, Wayne. Wayne, you got to listen. If you start listening to the podcast now, <laughs> you'll, you'll yeah, I have, I, it's like Noah's Ark over here. I got two of every kind, and uh, one's nice. Wow, and one, wow. One don't, uh, don't, don't, don't pigeonhole me into just loving super bills, boy. You're talking my language here. I mean, at uh, my other website, just to plug a little bit, allaircool.com. I mean, uh, when I came out with the, uh, the Super Beetle website, I thought, you know what, hey, I love all Volkswagen. So I just wanted to give them a little bit of love over there, too. So over that website, everything's there. And uh, I think this month I'm doing, uh, I have a feature on this uh, guy from the United Arab Emirates. And he has a, uh, he has a Type 34. He has a single cab. He has a... Square back. The, uh, the Gia. Yeah, I know he, yeah. <laughs> no, he, he has a, he has a, he has a Gia. I don't know if you've looked at it, but this guy has just a fantastic uh, collection of Volkswagens. Yeah, and, I'm, uh, I'm looking at it right that, now. Uh, yeah, he's got a split window. Gia, I'm just going over, you know, <laughs> he's, I got all the same things. I've got a double cab. I've got a bus. I've got a split window type 34 Gia. There's something wrong with people when they just keep collecting so many more. But I mean, it's, you know, I think it, it, you just get into the uniqueness of each model and the purpose built, aspect of each one and I, and I really you know I, and the funniest thing is when I was a kid and I saw Volkswagens like before I was before I kind of got caught up in the car thing in the 80s car thing I thought man those bugs are so ugly who would drive a bug what an <laughs> what an ugly car and then meanwhile it's like the biggest thing to me is like I've become this huge VW enthusiast that I just love these cars to death. And when I was younger, before yeah. I could drive, you know, in my neighborhood, there's a guy, the 57 Chevy that I thought like, that's the coolest car ever, you know, and I'd see this bug yeah. and I'd be like, Oh, look at this green thing. This is ugly. You know? And meanwhile, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm infatuated with this car that is just, for me, it became, you know, this ability to be self-reliant and be able to build and work on something and fix it myself mm -hmm. and not be beholden to mechanics or any of this kind of stuff. And, um, they just, they became a way for me, you know, not having a lot of money to be able to express my coolness through this car. That's so ironic. Like it's so not a cool car that it's ironically cool. It's like a cult classic. Like that's the generation I grew up in, right? From the eighties. Like that's what it became. Like yeah. this hot pink car with a dude with a mullet and Terminator glasses driving, you know, <laughs> but you know, I mean, listen, that's what started it. And now it's, it's the same with the podcast. As I've gotten into the hobby and as I've gotten into doing the podcast, I, I more and more start chasing down these threads of history that are so unique specifically to our hobby but are universally appreciated. So man, I, any, mm -hmm. anything you think we didn't cover that should be covered with the super Velux? I think we covered quite a bit. No, 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 not really. I think, uh, I think we, we, uh, you know, hopefully got up the word out there that, uh, super Beetle owners, we love everybody and we just want to have a little <laughs> bit of, of love and we want to have our little, we want to have our space at the Volkswagen shows and we want to appreciate your cars and we want people to appreciate the super Beetles as part of the, you know, the evolution of the Volkswagen, you know? 
Absolutely not. And I'll tell you what, if you, do you, if you, do you ever road trip your car? Uh, I've been down to the States a few times. I went to, uh, like a bit of America show and that, but, uh, what happens, and I, I don't want to brag. I've just, I won so many awards for that car. I've basically stopped showing it. Or when I do take it, I don't, uh, I don't compete because, you know, you want to encourage other people that have worked on their cars to, uh, you know, to, to go out there and reap the rewards of coming home with a, like a nice best of show or something like that. So I kind of, uh, pulled away from that, but, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's the future, you know, is coming. And I think that I'm going to start getting out to a few more shows. And, uh, you know, I always, uh, remember that Volkswagen ad that said you meet the nicest people in a Volkswagen. And, uh, to me, when I first got into the hobby, that was the thing that really struck me as just how nice everybody with a Volks with a classic Volkswagen is just a fantastic scene. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, and if you decide to hit the road next year, October, first weekend in October, I do my one crazy weekend here in Las Vegas, and uh, it's it's an interactive show where there's a strip cruise, a poker run, and a car show. And uh, if you if you make it down down east here, this is where southeast, this is where we're at. And I'd love to see a, I'd love to see that thing on the road. Listen, you got the time now, right? So put some miles on that dude and uh, and and make the best of it. But hey. You're always you're yeah, always you know, welcome. And, and if I, and if you don't if you don't like maybe I'll still show up in Vegas anyway. No, why not? That's it. Catch a plane. I've got a car you can borrow. Trust me. Trust, Fantastic. Trust me. That's well, great. Hey, Thanks a lot, Wayne. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and everything you, you've contributed. And if people want to get a hold of you, they can go to allaircooled.com or they can go to superbeetles.com and they can also follow you on Instagram on what's your Instagram handle and Facebook group. Okay, the Facebook group is called uh, VW Super Beetles, and on uh, Instagram, it's uh, it's the same. So, uh, and also on All Air Cooled, I'm on Instagram with that as well, and I'm on Twitter. So, you know, just look around, you'll find me. Man, Wayne, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, when I'm up in Canada, I'll look you up. For sure. Looking right. forward to it. You got it, buddy. 100% sure that I gave a shout out to Sean Berger out of Sandy, Utah, but I'm giving another one to him if I already didn't give him one just before. And last week, uh, I just just in the nick of time didn't get it on the podcast, but Roger Martin from Aurora, Colorado, man. Thanks for supporting the podcast. Appreciate you, brother. You should have got your stuff this week. I'm waiting on that small medium. All these guys with the small medium hats. You guys don't have these big old nuggets like me. So I got the small medium hats. I should have get them picked up uh Probably tomorrow, so you'll get it in the mail next week. Appreciate the uh, support for the podcast. So if you guys want to get a shout out on the podcast, feel free to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. And if I didn't get your five-star review, text it to me or DM it to me on uh, Instagram or send it to me a private message on Facebook. I do have a couple letters that came in recently. Uh, we're going to be going over some uh, VW basics for some of the new uh, listeners and people like that. So we'll be putting together some special episodes, uh, kind of get you into the, get you into the hobby, uh, start you off right on the right foot. So appreciate you guys for supporting the podcast. Don't forget to support our sponsors, vwtrendsmagazine.com, Ross Wolf. Go check out Lanny Hussey's custom cars in, on Facebook. If you need something built, that's your guy to go to. As well as ulogoup.com. Go check out their site. Get yourself a free quote to get some shirts, hats, jackets, whatever you need made, embroidered, silk screened, heat seam press, whatever you want. They got it there. So check them out at ulogoup.com. Until next week, guys. Later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.